Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You're listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and this episode we're going to discuss Like a Boss and hearts and bones, as well as give you the special code word for the first week of our month-long giveaway. Let's get into it. All right, let's jump into Like a Boss, Tim. Mm, so this is a film starring Tiffany Haddish, Rose Byrne, and Selma Hayek. And the premise or the synopsis of this is that two friends with very different ideals start a beauty company together, right? And one is more practical, while the other one wants to earn her fortune and live a lavish lifestyle. Live her best life. Living her best life. This film is as ridiculous as that two-line synopsis. <laughs> Just like spoilers. My, my reaction initially, I'm not a fan of Tiffany Haddish. So I was already going in with Walls Up here, not liking her style of comedy or acting. And I find her absolutely irritating. She's very polarizing. Very polarizing. And like, come at me with big outrageous comedy like I'm all for that but there's just something about her and ultimately I just don't think she's funny so I think that's a real problem Mm. when you're a comedian and your audience don't think you're funny I mean I'm not speaking for her whole audience it's just me I I find her quite polarizing as well but I've I'm trying to think of a movie that I've seen her in that I actually enjoyed and I am kind of struggling to find that to be honest it is Mm. it is a very specific brand of comedy and it's a very samey brand of comedy yeah, it's loud, obnoxious, and I mean, we're throwing the word polarizing around. I think it's just the perfect one to describe. Mm. And what I found really like upsetting about Like a Boss was you've got a great comedian in Rose Byrne who we've seen beautifully mm. navigate the realms of comedy 
in the likes of Bridesmaids. And I think that this source material, this, this script and these characters just, you know, you could see her struggling and giving everything mm. that she could, which is, yeah, really heartbreaking, actually, because I think she's a brilliant actress. They have a very codependent relationship and friendship in this film, don't they? Definitely. I didn't really believe that they never had their shit together. You know, we barely met them as a group of friends and they make it so obvious that they're so different from each other. And I'm like, how are they in their, I I assume, late 30s, early 40s, and they can just never agree on anything about their business and they never see eye to eye? And I think, why is this only coming to a head now Mm. when they're given the opportunity to sell their business and become what they always wanted to be? I just think it was just so poorly executed and that opening monologue oh my God, was tacky, it was awful, and it was just such lazy exposition. It was such lazy storytelling. I don't think I hated it as much as you seem to be hating it. It was <laughs> it was a bit of good fun, and I agree with all the points that you're making there, but it was a bit of a laugh, you know. The only thing I did find patronising was the tactic of taking these tropes from, uh, I hate the term, but chick flicks, you know, the musical mm-hmm. number or the weed jokes and the vagina jokes and it was mm. all the most basest form of what someone thinks women comedy should be. Yeah. I think it tried, it leaned too hard into those tropes and all those jokes fell flat and they were very abrasive and mm. maybe not confronting because I didn't find this movie confronting. It was just flat. It was just dead in the water. There were just so many things about this film that it came down to the, the writing you know, things about mm. their relationship. The the unpacking of their relationship was so unbelievable mm. and childlike that it was just hard to like connect and resonate with these with these characters because you always knew it was gonna work out in the end in some mm. ridiculous way. But I did like that feel good aspect of everything working out in a good way, them banding together <laughs> and celebrating friendship. I think it had a nice message towards the end there that was really was really nice to hear um can we talk about the supporting cast for a second because billy porter is absolutely fabulous and you've got jennifer coolidge they were just a bit wasted unfortunately so wasted i mean i quite appreciated her random one-liners she had the most energy in the cast i think and it was just never matched and so she kind of just stood out Mm. too much in all the wrong ways from a comedy perspective can you try and explain something to me where do you think the choice to make Salma Hayek's teeth crazy come from? Because you've got someone who, let's be honest, is sometimes difficult to understand and mm-hmm. they've gone and made her even more difficult to understand. What kind of choice was that? I think it's like a caricature of villains in films, isn't it? Where they do something with their teeth, mm. you know, or something physical and something that is maybe distracting or for you as an audience to think they think they look great, but actually looks ridiculous with that set of teeth. It was so distracting because as I said, yeah. you couldn't really understand anything she was saying. You know, I think that she was in the wrong film. I think if Selma had better material to work with there, she went, she definitely went for it in her character. She was so fucking weird and wacky mm. and ridiculous. It was kind of enjoyable to watch, but within a surrounding context of absolute drab. So it was actually really upsetting that she didn't really get a, a kind of liken it to Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder, you know, but that movie was wacky everywhere and it hit those comedy beats mm. again and again and again. Whereas you have Selma Hayek playing, you know, this Claire Luna character and she was fascinating and interesting and weird, but lost in that film, mm. completely lost. Overall, how many popcorn kernels would you give Like a Boss? <laughs> I've actually I've been really 
negative, but I, I get really upset when films just take the piss on their audience and they just don't take the time, in my opinion, to get the story and the characters right. Mm. And they're just throwing all this crap at you and it's just not really discerned. Comedy's hard, right? And this film proves how hard it is and how you can really get it wrong. Mm. And ultimately I was a bit pissed off by it because it was just so awful when you could see that it could achieve so many great things. Mm. Because like you mentioned, the message is excellent and it's just lost. But look, I, I'll give it like one popcorn kernel, Lee. Oh, goodness. <laughs> what well, about you? <laughs> I do agree with the points that we've made. Um, and it does sound like we're slamming the movie, but it was actually, I actually found it quite fun in places. I did laugh out loud in a lot of places. And as you said, Rose Byrne is fantastic. Tiffany Haddish, I didn't mind her in this film. You know, it was, it was just a lot of ingredients coming together that didn't quite make the meal that you wanted it to make. If I can mm. use a weird food analogy there. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm going to go two popcorn kernels for this one, like a boss. All right. Fair enough. So let's move on to an Australian-made movie called Hearts and Bones starring Hugo Weaving, which centres on a war photographer who comes back from assignment to find that he's going to be a father and he's obviously got post-traumatic stress that he's dealing with and he meets a Sudanese taxi driver whose family was killed in a massacre that the photographer shot. There's a lot to unpack here. It's quite serious and sombre subject matter. Yeah, it really is. It's a very complicated subject matter around, you know, there's a lot of themes that this film throws at you as an audience. There's themes around war. There's themes of forgiveness, grief, Mm. loss, PTSD that you called out earlier about how to change your perspective on the world uh, and then throw in moral dilemmas in there. And you have an incredible film that tells the story of mainly these two characters in Sebastian, the cab driver, and Hugo Weaving. And I think they were both absolutely brilliant oh my Mm. gosh just extraordinary extraordinary acting yes it was really well made film and really well acted it's from ben lawrence who this is his first feature film that's extraordinary i saw that piece of trivia as well i'm thinking it's such a well realized fleshed out story and you wouldn't think it had a beginner director do you know what i mean he's obviously coming Mm. with a lot of a lot of vision and he's been able to communicate that to all the departments and especially the actors in portraying their complicated feelings and emotions to the audience mm. and to navigate around a really a really complicated subject matter. Speaking of the subject matter, there's a story that goes with this film that Hugo Weaving had seen a draft of the script some years before it was made and felt it wasn't ready. And the director has actually gone to the Sudanese community, to people in the Sudanese community, and asked for feedback, adding more sensitivity to the story. And I think that's really telling that the more sensitivity, wow. research and humanity you can weave into a story, the better outcome you're going to get. Yeah, it's about understanding the story that you're trying to tell here. When you're juggling different cultures and perspectives on the world, you need to invite those experiences into into the storytelling. And that's actually really mm. beautiful and really responsible way of telling other people's stories. I really enjoyed the film. How did you feel about it? I thought it was excellent. And I think there's one major call out to have here is that Andrew Lurie who played Sebastian this was his this was his acting debut and he brought such rawness and conviction to to his character and I think that he and Hugo who was just absolutely mesmerizing as well that they really worked together and you could see their friendship growing and building beautifully Mm. right in front of you as 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 the story progressed I was going to say I did find it hard to forget that I was watching Hugo weaving though 
Okay, in what way? As amazing as he is, an incredible actor, there's just no doubt about that. He's very Hugo Weaving, you know what I mean? He's Mm. just at that level of reverence that it's just really hard to suspend that disbelief and see Dan the war photographer and not Hugo Weaving as Dan the war photographer. Do you get what I'm saying? I do, and I totally understand, but using that word reverence, I've never heard that before used in this context. It's actually quite telling, is it? It's very true. I mean, I think with Hugo, for me personally, it's his voice that he gives to his characters. You have him in The Matrix, you have him as Megatron in the Transformers films, not all of them, but he certainly is very distinctive in his art, I guess, in what he, what he offers the role. Do you feel that about his voice as well? Like you can always identify him? Yes. Mm. Hugo Weaving. Yeah. Hugo Weaving's voice. True. <laughs> Close your eyes. Oh, it's Megatron. Look, that's not a bad thing. It is not a bad thing. And it didn't distract me too much from this film. Like, I still really enjoyed it. If anything was going to let the film down, I think some scenes were missing context. And maybe that comes down to the editing or, you know, there were some scenes it jumped time a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I was going by his wife's pregnant belly to try and figure out when things were fitting. Right. Which which I think let it down a little bit. Um, And there was also sometimes something seemed edited out of order. Mm Mm-hmm. In one scene, his partner uh, was talking to the taxi driver downstairs and saying he was upstairs, but he'd just left the house. But then she was talking to his wife. And I thought, that was a strange one. Why would you say he was upstairs? Yeah. That, Why wouldn't you just say he wasn't here? That scene to me felt a bit jarring. I agree. that It, it did feel like there was something missing. Uh, maybe it was a scene that didn't quite work. Maybe it was a take they actually didn't have. Uh, mm. in, in filming it. But yeah, that one did feel like you were kind of, oh, did I just skip, you know, a couple of minutes by accident? Mm. It took me it took me a minute to catch up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which brings you out of it. And I guess this film was like a snapshot itself, you know, talking about war photography. It felt like a snapshot itself in that they were pulling on all these threads, but then they just sort of left them hanging. Mm. I'm trying to get this analogy right, but it's like a snapshot of time in these two men's lives, which is fine in of itself but there was a lot of not resolution I think resolution is the wrong word because it's obvious they weren't looking to resolve anything and tie it up in a nice little bow Mm. but I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of what they were looking for eventuate yeah I mean yeah I think that there's probably two ways to look at that it's a matter of it's such a complicated subject matter to navigate you know and, and them dealing it with their own lives and dealing with their past and PTSD and how to change your perspective Mm. on the world and i think that maybe the characters hadn't quite figured that out yet but then it also opens up to you as the audience to say if you were in their shoes what would you say how would you react what would your choices Mm. be and i think it leaves it open for you to to really take that on personally whether you agree with the things that happen in the film things that are said and the outcomes it kind of leaves it a bit more open-ended which in a lot of films can be really frustrating but then it can be really exciting because you can pave the way for certain characters or scenarios yourself but to your point yeah, some, maybe in this one it felt a little bit left without that enough resolution that you probably needed. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, I mean, there was. I'm trying to talk about it without giving too much away, mm. I guess, but there was plot points that were the focus of the film, a very big focus, an emotional pull for the characters that just weren't given any kind of... I keep coming back to this word resolution, but I think resolution is the wrong word. Can mm. you, do, you know what, do you know what I'm trying to no, ab- say? No, absolutely. Like, but it is hard to touch on those subplots when it's something when that... When you can't reveal. Yeah, because it plays such a heavy burden. So, Lee, what would you rate this film out of Popcorn Kernels, Hearts and Bones? 
So Hearts and Bones was incredibly well acted, a really well-made movie from a first-time director. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I'm going to give it four popcorn kernels. Oh, amazing. Amazing. I'm on the same page, going to cut to the chase, four popcorn kernels for Hearts and Bones. I felt that the film wasn't preachy. It was really messy in the way that the characters dealt with what they were going through and it had a real raw quality to it. And at the same time, it didn't feel formulaic in that you were experiencing mm-hmm. those those things with the characters. Like, oh, they're going to do this now. And that, it was very unpredictable, I found, which was mm-hmm. uh, which gripped me further. So, yeah, I really loved it. So, there are reviews of Like a Boss and Hearts and Bones. But before we kick off into some juicy, juicy movie news, <laughs> we have the very first code word to use in our popcorn podcast first anniversary giveaway so the code word for this week is popcorn surprise surprise (laughs) seems fitting (laughs) uh given the name so if you take the code word popcorn head to popcornpodcast.com slash win put in your details pop in the code word popcorn and you go in the draw to win our very own Popcorn Podcast mug and a $20 iTunes gift card so you can use that to rent all new release movies, catch films that you love uh, while we're still in isolation. And we have more prizes to weave into these packs in the coming weeks. We'll announce mm-hmm. them very soon. So watch this space and listen. Now let's jump into the movie news. You want to talk a little bit about Universal's gamble to bypass theatrical releases and how that's going. How is that going for the studio? Look, long and short of it is it's doing very, very well. So Universal had decided to release Trolls World Tour, so the sequel to Trolls, very, very popular animated children's film starring Anna Kendrick and Justin Timberlake. And Mm -hmm. they have earned close to $100 million in digital rental fees. That's outstanding. Oh, it's absolutely outstanding. Now, kind of the the insight into that number is that, one, it really exceeded their expectations and really demonstrated the viability of premium video on demand. And the Embassy Universal CEO, Jeff Schell, had told the Wall Street Journal this week that as soon as theatres reopen, we expect to release movies on both formats. Now, this has generated a bit of conflict between theatres in America and this decision to distribute titles in both of these ways once we kind of get, uh, you know, navigate our way out of the woods of isolation. Do you think that's correct? Do you think that this, that it's viable that people are going to still continue to rent expensive titles at home once the cinemas go back? In my opinion, I think that there's going to be elements of that for sure, but there's something about the shared experience of going to the movies that people will and Mm. do yearn and long for. I certainly miss it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there is no better way to watch a comedy, in my opinion, on its opening weekend with a packed cinema because you just laugh along with everyone and it's so those endorphins are just brilliant and it makes you like uncover parts of the film that otherwise may have gone over your head if you're just at home Mm. and i think what is also really important which is why jeff shell has called that out is the profit margin for them in a pvod space is about 80 percent that they pocket whereas it's that it's about 50 percent or less or thereabouts they pocket when it's released in cinemas so in terms of that they're making their money back quicker and more efficiently the pvod space really does benefit now lee what has the academy decided this week Oscars have implemented changes this week. They've said, first of all, that the Oscars are going to go ahead next year as planned at this stage. 
but that they're going to temporarily waive the rule that says films need to have a seven-day theatrical run in LA, which opens it up to um, streaming platforms and movies that are going straight to streaming platforms to be included in the Oscars. Now, this is massive. It is big. It is big. Also, what they've said, whether or not this changes, depending on how this experience goes, that once you know, for the 2022 awards, so films that are released in 2021, they won't Mm. have that uh, way to make your film eligible. They're going to go back to the the old Mm. ways. But I think that there will be some changes and pivots in how that films are eligible, surely. I mean, they've just got to come to the table with how people consume films and how they can uh, be submitted for contention. But you don't think that streaming platforms are so big now that they could maybe come up with their own awards? Wow, that's is a, that too elitist? Is that really elitist? I think that this day and age, like award ceremonies and those things, they're expensive, and you know, less mm. and less people are watching them. They, a lot of audiences feel like it doesn't have as much clout behind it. Although the Oscars has really held on to it, its premium benchmark. Going, if you're an Oscar winner, like you're it. I don't know. I mean, there's so many award ceremonies. Whether or not they do their own for their own platform or just the SVOD market, that's a really good question. That's actually very interesting mm. to see how that may or may not happen. It'll, it'll be interesting to see with these changes coming for the next ceremony, whether this opens up diversity a bit more, because that's a big sticking point for the Oscars, that they're not diverse enough. Do you think this will maybe open that up a little bit? Yeah, I, I think it just has to, and it will. The Oscars cannot carry on. They're alienating and upsetting people year in year out by not acknowledging the talent that's out there and the great Mm. storytelling and the performances and the directing of of women and people of color you know it's just so important that those films are seen and heard and i think yeah this could potentially help i hope that it doesn't bring the caliber of films up for contention you know there's some crap out there Mm. it still needs to keep that premium quality to the films that you see getting nominated See, I'm of the same mind, I guess, as the Academy that I do believe that the Oscars should be for theatrical runs. That's probably a bit of a controversial thing to say. But as I've said before, streaming platforms are so big now and there's so many of them. I think they could feasibly come up with their own set of awards. Mm -hmm. I'm with you on films that are released theatrically are to be Mm. acknowledged only. But I feel like there's opportunity to pivot in the right way and hopefully that we see that change and and it benefits the arts in general. Another little tidbit in that article was that they're going to merge the sound editing and sound mixing categories, which I think is great because nobody can tell the difference anyway. No one can tell the difference. (laughs) And I mean, but I think it's, yeah, it's the two categories I sit there every year going, I still don't understand how they're different, but that's just me and my, my ignorance. Now I'm quite excited about this next piece of news. Now you see me three is in the works. I loved the first two films Mm. the second one was admittedly not as great as the first but i'm i'm a sucker for these films i really love them something about the magic and the special effects and the and the roguishness i guess or the rebellious nature of the four horsemen that are just i think i think it's really cool oh me too so i would love to see another film in this franchise but i don't want to see more of the same no i think they need to do something different i mean there's always a lure for me especially with ensemble films i just they just drag me in the oceans of Mm. the world and the expendables you know like whatever it may be (laughs) yeah sex in the city sex in the city (laughs) do we call that an ensemble oh gosh bring that back they really need to just undo the awful sex in the city too i reckon how they're going to mix it up is if they bring in another couple of really big names which excite the franchise but yeah so yeah this should be this should be cool hopefully they do it right 
Now, something I was so excited about this week was LeBron James finally shared the title and logo for the Space Jam sequel. It's now titled Space Jam, A New Legacy. We're going to see it in cinemas in June 2021. Uh, It's just my childhood coming back. Ever since I saw this logo, I cannot get the theme tune out of my head. I've just been like, welcome to the Space Jam. (laughs) I mean, surely you're going to see... Come on and slam. Welcome to the Space Jam. This popcorn podcast now karaoke session. Yeah, look, I'm just so excited about this. Uh, It makes me want to go back and watch Space Jam again. You know, there's a lot of pressure on this film, but I think if -hmm. if logos are anything to go by, they're freaking nailed. I don't know. It's just, I think it's just beautifully designed and it's got a lot of character behind it. I have the tiniest little quibble with the title, just putting my editor's hat Mm -hmm. on here. A new legacy is completely redundant. Why is it a new legacy? A legacy is a legacy precisely because it is one and only, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Oh my God. Why didn't you have such an issue with Let There Be Carnage, you know, the title for Venom last week? No, but that actually makes sense when you break it down. Oh, look, the English language makes no fucking sense half the time. So, I mean... Now, Disney have also announced this week that they're doing a live-action version of Hercules next. Hercules! Hercules! Very excited. I mean, a very fun animation, but I just internally groan. It's like, obviously, they are going to do every single one of their animations. I'm one part nervous, but nine parts really excited. This is my favourite Disney animation. It's so, so brilliant. And I'm very conscious that they've, with Mulan, that they've taken the, the music out of it. I'm uh, sorry, the, the singing. They've kept the score in mm. there. I just really hope that they don't do this to Hercules because some of those numbers just give it that character. This story we've seen so many times and so many mm. iterations, the story of Hercules and Zeus, etc. What makes this Disney version different is the fact that it is a musical and it is so fun and so colourful. I hope they really maintain and keep those, you know, those brilliant ways of storytelling that they did back mm. in, what, 97. So, yeah. Well, well, Disney actor Josh Gad has said that he would like to see Ariana Grande as Meg, which I actually think is really fitting. Oh, excellent. I mean, not only just because she wears her hair the same way that Meg does, like, I think, <laughs> yeah. you know, physically, her physicality and her voice, yeah, work really well. So hopefully that's not just a fan casting, it's uh, like legit casting eventually. Who would you like to see in some other roles? Oh, gosh, putting me on the spot here. I mean, certainly not Dwayne Johnson as Hercules again. Although he, <laughs> he did previous singing chops in Moana, but, you know, he was animated. So I guess that, that suspends belief a bit. But, Do you know, this is so left field, but I would actually like to see Jake Gyllenhaal as Hercules. Oh. Give him a blonde makeover. Oh, yes, yes. But, you know, they'll probably end up giving it to Timothy Shamalamalama Ding Dong. Well, well he's got he's to have some protein <laughs> shakes between now and then, I'm sure. But heck, yeah. that, that's cool. I mean, as long as we don't see Zac Efron in the role or someone like that, then... Mm, that seems like an obvious mm. choice, Well, yeah. guys, let us know who you think should be cast as Hercules. I think that might be an interesting question to pose. One thing that shouldn't change, though, I think we need to have Danny DeVito as oh Phil. Oh, my God, yes. Who voices the role in the, mil- in the animation. Unless... Oh, so you're saying that even if they d- CGI his character, which they probably will, you think at least he just mm. offers his voice again? Kind of like yeah. James L. Jones did with Mufasa. Yeah. Mufasa Kepasa. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'd even like to see him in prosthetics. I think that would just work just mm-hmm. as well. One funny thing, though, is that Josh Gad has actually said that he won't put himself forward for a role in this film. He he thinks people are Disney fatigued of seeing okay. him in Disney Yeah, films. I feel that. And, you know, look, own your own space. Well, guys, Lee, that was a very, very jam-packed episode of Popcorn Podcast. 
We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So check out Like a Boss, check out Hearts and Bones, head to our website with the code word popcorn to go in the running to win our first anniversary giveaway. And we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.